ten years ago, most of the journalists they tended to report on bigger issues, some very, very great issue. They, they want to change a lot of things. But for me, I, I always interested in how the individuals react in this bigger issue because it's all about、uh, people. Eventually, about how people choose, how people feel. So I always focus on that side. Ija,、uh, hi, founder of Gusher FM. Welcome to China Talk. Thank you, thank you for inviting me. It's a great pleasure. About a month back, Gusher FM ran an episode that had people telling their stories about their relationships to the podcast. So, by way of your introduction, Ija, I'm going to tell mine. So I moved to. China in 2017, speaking zero Chinese,、mm -hmm. and many foreigners, myself included, live a pretty sheltered life in China, only encountering super highly educated, often rather Westernized Chinese.、Mm. Your stories broke me out of that bubble when I was in China and inspired me to really listen, and not just to people with perfect Putonghua who watch Western TV in their spare time.、Mm. You've taken me to places and told me stories I never would have encountered in my daily life. From a homeless shelter in Beijing to a restaurant、uh, full of old folks in Shenyang, to a, from a depressed comedian to victims of loan sharks, and even Chinese working in Pakistan, hundreds and hundreds of windows into the lives of everyday and not so everyday Chinese.、Mm -hmm. Not only that, but your podcast also taught me this language. Gusher FM's Gong Zhonghao has transcripts, and I've spent countless hours with my tutor over the years discussing the content, memorizing words and phrases of、oh my God, uh, great of all these different voices that are now in my head. <laughs> so before we kick this off, Ija, I just want to thank you for all that you've done personally for me. It's been a real pleasure to appreciate your work over over these past years. I'm flattered that you love my show so much. <laughs> well, you should be flattered because you do great work. So, Ija, if an alien from like Santi, a billion miles away, could listen to Gusher FM in this American life, what do you think that alien would conclude about the U.S. and China? Well. Human being is so hard to understand. They make very odd decisions, even they are in the same situation, but they choose very differently. I think it's the same to both U.S. people or Chinese people. So that's why I do this show because I think the basic feeling, basic experience is universal, and no matter where you live. What kind of culture you are in, we tend to make very similar decisions, have similar feelings. Is there any particular show you recall that imparted that lesson, or is it something you just hear that sort of seeps into you after doing hours and hours of these interviews? You know, we we did a lot of stories about LGBTs. About their dilemma, about how people treat them, how they try to hide them. If you see people in China, in U.S., in Europe, in Africa, I think they experience the same thing. So I'm not going to ask you for a specific favorite Gusher FM episode, but I'm curious if there are any in particular that you'd wish. Americans or Westerners in general、uh, could listen to to better understand China. Well, let me open my list <laughs> because until now we have did a full hundred sixty-seven episodes, so quite a lot of stories we aired. But we particularly 
love some episodes about people in rural area, because people in rural area their story is seldom heard by people living in cities, especially for young people. They don't understand older generations' lives in rural area. Especially, we heard some stories about old people. They ch- choose to leave their home to disappear. Some people even committed suicide. So, if you know the Chinese society structure better, you will know a lot of issues involved. Because for some old people, they they worried they they are burden to their families. So they choose this very. How to say tragic way to avoid give burden to families, so uh, that people uh, that kind of story really touching. At the beginning, I thought young people may not very interested in this kind of story because it's too far away from them. But quite surprisingly, I found they really love these stories because these stories make them know this country, their country better. So, how do you think about? The mix, I guess. I imagine most of your audience is is relatively young and educated.、Yeah. So I'm curious how you balance the sort of shows of like the recent one with the Don Lemon guy, who most young people have already heard of and watched on a reality show, as opposed to something that would really push their boundaries, like telling stories of the rural elderly. The Don Lemon story, because that、uh, comedian is a friend, so he can be honest to us. So. We interview him about、uh, how to say some people curse him <laughs> quite a lot. He faces a lot of pressure, so he honestly told us about that experience. But for most of the famous people, actually, I don't like to interview them because they're not that honest.、Uh, especially for、yeah. podcasts, for audio media, people can only hear your voice. If you are not honest, people cannot listen. They quit. So yeah, it just gets boring fast. Yeah, you're hiring, which is very exciting. So before we get into <laughs> what you're hoping to do with your new employees, I'm curious how Gusher FM makes money. You don't seem to have very many ads or, or sort of sponsored shows, and you make three episodes a week, which is incredible. Yeah, you do a lot of episodes each week. The main way to earn money actually is commercials. But maybe you don't feel them. Strictly speaking, I don't think it's a it's a morally right in Western media because some episode our show is a commercial. But we can only do this way because in China, every media can only earn money in this way. But the only thing I can guarantee is even this episode is a commercial. I need to guarantee this episode is a true story and it's interesting enough compared to other episodes, because speciality is digging out a story. So I think we can help some brand to find where their story is. I wouldn't be so worried about the morals of it. Western media has to make money too nowadays. Things changed. <laughs> yeah. So, so you you spent seven years in journalism on the mainland, Ija. I'm curious what changes in the industry have stuck out to you over the years. 
I think the seven years of journalism life helped me a lot because, especially in the early years, I went to every corner of China, cities, rural area, some place I could never been to before. It really made me know this country better, and it made me know a lot of interesting people. So it's easier to. Create this episode because it's not very hard for me to find the interviewees. Yeah, that's a great benefit for me. It was sort of a a broader question as well as how the Meiji Shengtai Quan、mm-hmm. has changed. Well, it's a sad story because I quit my job in a public library in、uh, 2010 to change my career to journalism. I joined Nanfang Zhoumo Southern Weekly as an intern. I studied journalism there for six months. I think 2010, when I quit my last、uh, the library job back then, that was the the end of a golden age for journalism in China, because、uh, back then people can do really amazing stories, can digging out very Deep problems, but from then all the journalists I know they quit their job, they change their career. Especially, especially today, I found very few people want to be journalists anymore. So that that's very sad. And you think that's a function of the market forces, or or people being frustrated about the types of things they can report on and stories they can tell. I think both capital or some higher pressure, a lot of pressures combined make、uh, journalism in China harder. So people get really frustrated. So for good chef, I think the basic thing we can do, the least thing we can do, is focus on individuals. Only tell the individuals people's story. Yeah. Because you do occasionally have shows that touch on social issues and social challenges, so I guess you, your idea is by doing it just at the very personal level of the way folks have experienced these sorts of issues in society, that that is the best strategy f- for you to keep reporting about these sorts of topics. Exactly, and also ten years ago, most of the journalists they tend to report on bigger issues, some very Very great issue. They want to change a lot of things, but for me, I, I always interested in how the individuals react in this bigger issue because it's all about、uh, people. Eventually, about how people choose, how people feel. So I always focus on that side. Aside from opening people's minds, have there been any stories where the reaction to it had a broader impact? You think, or resonated wider than your average episode? Any episodes of a good FM changed something? Yeah, like the lives of the interviewees or the institution that you wrote about, or something like that. Yeah, actually, there's a lot of changes to individuals. We aired a story about、uh, a. A young guy who said he was in masturbation addiction. 
he was、uh, so painful, you know. Actually, it's because of his childhood experience that influenced him so much. So he often get nervous. He cannot make friend. He worried a lot. After that episode aired, he got thousands of、uh, replies. People want to add him on social media to be his friend. So not long after the episode aired, he told us he、uh, know a girl now. So <laughs> that changed him a lot. <laughs> Idra, it, it seems like there's an aspect of telling everyday people stories, which is kind of in itself a little bit aggressive, controversial. I remember watching Shemi the Jiaoluo, the ITE show,、mm-hmm. and just being kind of. Surprised at watching a Jian Shuju about not a rich family in Beijing who's like driving fancy cars. I'm curious why you think these stories aren't as common or told as much or, or don't get as much attention in the kind of broader media environment in China. I think people get sick of rich people's life, celebrities' people's life. If you see the Chinese movie market, you can see people. More and more like realistic issues, movies.、Uh, it's like Shami 的角落 or some 呃、uh, 我不是药神 these kind of、uh, stories. So yeah, I think this kind of、um, topic getting much more popular now and in the future. So I think Gucci FM focus on realistic stories. It's a great way to bring people together. Bring people、uh, closer to peek into ordinary's、uh, different life is also satisfying. How many movie producers have come to you after hearing a Gusher FM and said, "Oh, I need to make a movie about this story"? How, has that happened yet? Ah,、uh, yeah, of course, that happened、uh, a few times. I think、uh, four or five times. But in China, copyright is a Big problem. Normally, people don't tell you. They they just、uh, change that story in another way and、uh, make something out of it. You don't know it. As long as it makes for better movies, we can't complain too much. Well,、yeah. I guess you can complain, but I'll be happy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious,、uh, Aja, pushing the model forward.、Mm-hmm. You guys have done many of these shows, which all have a relatively similar structure. I'm curious. If you've come across any stories that deserve a serial treatment, like the serial podcast,、yeah. a story big enough that should be a ten-part episode or something that you have a producer spending a whole year on. Well, you ask a right question. We are preparing. We have listed some stories.、Uh, try to make some really big stories in twenty twenty-one, but I don't think.、Uh, It、uh, lasts like ten part. It's too long. Maybe five, six episode. We started serial a lot, but I think it's really hard to copy in China because, especially for crime stories, I envy you American people. You can access a lot of document from the police department, from the court, but it's、uh, impossible for us in China. You know. So,、yeah. we are st- still looking for what kind of stories we can do in China.
I guess generally with the longer ones that have been very successful in the West, like Shithole or Serial, very quickly you go beyond the individual, right? Yeah. And you start talking about the system and the society and that may take you to places which are uncomfortable to do in the domestic context, I imagine. Yeah, for one thing, you can have access so many documents. On the other thing, you don't need to avoid any topic, but uh, it's both problem for us. We need to carefully avoid a lot of things. But especially for podcasts, I always uh, tell my team, if there's elephant in room, you cannot pretend it not exist because if there's a logic in the story you didn't explain, people would ask. They they wondering. Yeah. So if they have question, they cannot focus on the rest part of the story. So that's really hard. Yeah. Or you just stop going into rooms with elephants in them, and that's depressing. Also. Yeah. Exactly. I'm curious, Aija, aside from the serial model, what other types of formats are you thinking about in terms of shows? I, I spend a lot of time on Xiaoyu Zhou, and 99% of Chinese podcasts right now are basically two people talking or three people talking or five people <laughs> talking, very much like my show, China Talk, which I do because it's easy and, and inexpensive, but th there's a lot more out there with more production and, and more effort that's possible with audio. So mm -hmm. I'm curious what other ideas you're thinking about or you'd like someone else to do to push the medium forward on the mainland. I think for next step, uh, I definitely will make a show like uh, Plenty Money because I love it so much. I cannot like other people to do this kind of uh, show first. <laughs> I need to <laughs> hurry. <laughs> And also, uh, there's a lot of audio uh, documentary uh, type. There's one documentary uh, from BBC. Uh, I really love it because they go around the world, go to a lot of countries, places to record the things happening. Actually, we did some episodes like that, but that is really expensive. Not only about money, also about time. We can only produce yeah. one episode, maybe in one month. It's very costly. I'm curious, Aja, mm -hmm. how are you at managing people? What's been the process for you of growing this team and teaching people this art form, which is very new to China? The key, I think, is to give enough freedom to your team to make your team be creative. I know for some media, the chief editor is so demanding. They want to control a lot of things, uh, especially on what story you should report, what story you, you cannot. But I wouldn't say that to my team. I want my producers have their interest. They can do whatever story they like. But in the process of our work, there's one part is called uh, trial listening. Every uh, story needs to be listened. Our team, we will give a score, we will give a critic. If most of us say this is a very good story, we can listen to the last minute, I will uh, air this story. If people don't give a very good critic, I will not let it out. 
So I only control the last part. I don't want to control the, the <laughs> previous part. What values do you think you and your team share? And what about those Jajaguan do you think makes you potentially overlook things in the stories uh, you find and tell? I think being inclusive is, is the most important thing. You can uh, see from our show, I seldom judge or give uh, any opinion on any story, any interviewee, because I would ask me the same question every time. If I was him or her, can I make a better choice? So I don't think I'm in the right position to judge them. I only need to show what kind of a problem they are facing and to make people be them in the right circumstances to feel uh, what they felt. That's enough. What people judge, I can't show how our listeners judge them, but I can guarantee myself will not judge on them. Do you think that's a rare attitude nowadays in China? I know because in China, especially a lot of new media, the host, they want to show what they think, their opinion. But it's not my style. I think even in daily life, my normal life, I'm not a person who speak a lot. I always want to listen what other people say. You've said in an interview, Aija, that your dream for Gushra FM is that 30 years from now, it serves as a bit of a time capsule for this era. How do you think more generally China nowadays treats personal memory and personal histories? You know, people's value changed uh, very rapidly. I think five years before people's value is quite different nowadays. So it's uh, much shorter than I expected because I don't need to wait 30 years, maybe 10 years later, when you uh, look back to listen our episode <laughs> 10 years before, you will be surprised. So that's quite interesting. I think that way you can call us oral history. We keep people's thoughts, people's uh, accent, people's uh, opinion in the capsule so you can taste them later 10 years later like a good wine i remember su hua of kuai shou used to talk about how and i think zhang yiming also talked about how duan shirpin is also like a historical museum that people will go back to figure out what times were like in the past but I'd much prefer Gucher FM. I think you guys are like the expensive wine and they're like the 10 kwai baijiu <laughs> from the corner store. <laughs> I'm so flattered. Thank you. Well, but I do think uh, if you want to know the details, what people experienced, it at least take a long time, at least a 30 minutes show, right? If people can only see 10 or 20 seconds of short video. It doesn't ex explain too much. What other independent media do you 
think also exemplifies the values that Gujarat FM has? It's not really uh, many similar media like Gush FM, but uh, if you say nonfiction media, there's some in China. Like, there's one called Zhenshi Gushi Tihua, also one called uh, Wang Yi Renjian. Uh, they, they both do nonfiction. Have you spent any time on Clubhouse these past few days? Did you miss that moment? or? Oh, you know, it's so funny. Last night, was my first, uh, how to say, uh, a friend created a room for me to to meet our fans. But right before that event, two hours before, uh, Clubhouse oh, no. was banned. <laughs> so funny. But we continued anyway. I was so surprised that more than 1,000 people came in. Oh, my God. What was that like? I didn't feel much because I can't see them their face. <laughs> Did you listen to any of the other rooms? Or was that your only time on Clubhouse? Uh, not much because uh, I'm really busy recent days. So I didn't spend much time on that. But I think it's a great opportunity for a podcast because people start to ri- realize how audio charming when people use their voice to convey some message it's less misunderstanding you know i really felt like in some of these rooms listening to people all around the world talk about sensitive issues it really felt like i was listening to a gusher fm live <laughs> if, it, if it was 1986 and gusher fm could do whatever it wanted or something it was sort of the attitude that people took to these rooms of just telling their perspectives and telling their stories really reminded me of your show. Yeah, it, it is a very real opportunity. There was a one room, a lot of young people from mainland China, uh, Taiwan, Hong Kong, they can share their opinion peacefully. That's really rare, you know, very valuable. Yeah. Yeah, it was something, wasn't it? Yeah. Is there anyone you'd want Biden to listen to uh, from your library? I give a lot of hope to Biden because maybe he's more inclusive, not like uh, Trump. <laughs> so I'm not worried that much. I expect the China-U.S. relationship getting better. I don't know. Maybe it's still hard for any politician in U.S. to understand the daily Chinese life. What do you think as an American, if American people can understand Story FM? I'll tell you one thing is I am almost certain that there are people working in the White House now who listen to Gusher FM. Really? Yeah, definitely. Oh my God. More than just any show in particular, the moral of Gusher FM, if there is one, which is that China is more than the Chinese government or the party. There's more than a billion people who all have their lives and are all trying to make their way in the world. Mm-hmm. I think that's a important lesson that sometimes gets lost if you can only engage with China through English language media and reporting and sources. Some Western reporters certainly are committed to doing this kind of storytelling as well, mm. but it's hard through a language barrier, right? And it's hard if you've never 
spent time in a country and in a small way at least got to know a few of its people mm. to make sure that the way you think about the country isn't just through its government and its leadership exactly. and its policies. And I think that more than any particular episode is what I want Biden to do when he's studying Mandarin in his spare time. <laughs> We try to translate some of our episode into English. Maybe in the future we can cooperate with some English radio stations to air our stories in English. Maybe that's a good model for us. Well, if you pick someone besides me, I'm going to be very angry. <laughs> but but I'll understand. You've been introduced to these producers, right? At, at Podfest, there were some Western producers, right? right? You know people at This American Life and Planet Money at this point. Yeah, actually, I cooperated with This American Life before in 2017 when I just created Gucci、uh, FM. When not many people know us, this American life they try to find a fixer in China because they wanted to do a story about traffic jam. Because in two thousand eight, there was heavy snow. The weather was very cold. A lot of people jammed on highway. So I found a truck driver for them. They interviewed him. That's the only time I cooperated with、uh, This American Life. Then a few years later, a New York Times reported us. That producer from、uh, This American Life write me a email. She said, "Oh, I didn't know you are the Chinese version of Ira Glass." <laughs> It's <laughs> funny. <laughs> After this COVID, I'd love to go to U.S. to meet、uh, a lot of people. I really wanted to know Eric Glass in person. Also, want to、I'll、go to NPR to really visit the Planet Money office. <laughs> I'd love to see them. <laughs> I love a lot of American shows, podcasts, also some English ones, like Planet Money, like This American Life, like Snap Judgment. All these narrative podcasts, I really love listening them. If、uh, any producer in his shows want to cooperate with Good Chefum, uh, uh, please find Jordan. He can get touch with me. I'd love to、uh, cooperate with you guys. I have a funny story for you. Actually,、mm -hmm. I was applying to be an intern at Planet Money,、uh -huh. and it was actually after I graduated college. So what was that? I wasn't technically allowed to be in. This was in twenty. When I graduated college, I'm 30 years old, so I graduated well, in 2012. Yeah. yeah, 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 long time ago. So, anyways, they wanted me to pitch a story,、mm -hmm. and the story I pitched was actually about China. I pitched it about YY, and because、ah. this was like very early days of live streaming, and no one had heard of live streaming before, and I was like, "This is a really cool story." And in the interview, they tell me. Where did you get this idea from? And I was like, I don't know. I have my friend. He researches Chinese companies. He told me about <laughs> this. And they're like, Well, Jordan, I've done hundreds of these interviews of interns, and this is the first time I've ever heard a pitch of a show that we're going to do on air next week. <laughs> <laughs> so they really liked me, but it was really sad because I was too old and、What? they didn't let me join. Too old? I know it's. 
because it was like intern for college students oh. and I wasn't a college student anymore. So uh, they were very nice to me, but they said, sorry, you can't be an intern. So had that happened, maybe this would have been my real profession many years before it became. You should, um, you should be their Canada. producer. I should have been. They missed their chance, Aija. Uh, yeah, I guarantee so, um <laughs> Have you heard Fresh Air by Terry Gross? Have you heard any of those shows? Yeah, actually, I know that show, but I seldom hear that because I'm not a fan of a talk show. I'm a fan of a narrative podcast. Yeah. But I do know Terry is a very good interviewer. It's kind of like hard talk. <laughs> Sometimes、yeah. she asks very direct question. It's really interesting. But in my show, normally I will cut off my questions. I want people really immerse into the interviewee's part of the story. Yeah, I was thinking that's another sort of style which doesn't exist in China. I've come across at least of an interviewer who will push back and challenge. Yeah, we do try that. But it's not hard in China, especially for some news happening. All people are paying attention to that. You need a journalist certificate to do things like that. So let's say we need to avoid being paid attention too much. <laughs> Like 